if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast after another exciting weekend in the Premier League uh, and a bombshell piece of news about Chelsea, which we'll get right on to. My name is Alex Gross. I'm a Tottenham fan and I'm here with my two friends, as usual, Nick Gilmer, Man United fan. Hello, Nick. Good evening. Congratulations for Saturday. Thank you very much. And also congratulations for Sunday. Uh, run-of-the-mill routine win, George, the Leeds fan. Yeah, just about calmed down. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> so that's George Harker, uh, suffering Leeds fan, uh, battling against relegation at the foot of the table. We'll get on to that too. But yes, uh, chaps, we can't uh, begin anywhere other than Stamford Bridge, Chelsea. The news came on Thursday, I think, wasn't it? Um, that the club had been sanctioned. Then later, the Premier League moved belatedly to kick uh, Abramovich out as chairman. And this was all since we last recorded. So we were saying how long uh, a week is in football last time. (laughs) A 20-year football empire has crumbled this week. Um, Is it fair to say we're all feeling quite a bit of schadenfreude? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think, um, well, there's a lot to unpack. He's got more pain to come as well, I think. The news today is that the EU are about to get stuck into him as well because he's not just taking dodgy rubles over 30 years. Yeah. He's literally making the tanks that are blowing up Ukrainian cities. Mm-hmm. So I think I think no sanction is too harsh for, for that man. Um, and of course, you have to feel a bit of sympathy for Chelsea fans, but frankly, the sympathy you feel for a Chelsea fan is somewhere near the bottom of the list um, for the rest of the sympathy being doled out at the moment to people like the Ukrainians displaced. Yeah, but um, it's not it's not even about that for me. It's, um, it, it should go without saying that the, uh, the fate of those people over there um, suffering from the war is, is far more important and far worse. I hope it goes without saying. But even within a football context, I think you just said um, you have to feel a bit of sympathy with Chelsea fans just because you work in marketing, Nick, and you're used to being uh, polite like that. I don't think you have to at all. And uh, on Monday Night Football today, uh, I appreciated Jamie Carragher really standing up for himself because he worked uh, for the game yesterday at Stamford Bridge, said he got a bit of abuse for uh, making a suggestion that's very relevant to you, Nick, that um, Man United should swoop for Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, um, I'll say a bit more about uh, Tuchel in a sec because I've, I've, I really um, respect him for the way he's handled the situation at least. But um, Carragher rightly stood up for him himself and said uh, over the last 19 years, that is exactly what Chelsea have done. They've exploited other clubs. They've raided other clubs for not just playing staff, but for chairman, as you know, yeah. uh, at Man United. They've, uh, they've, they've pinched players at knockdown prices or... Um, or, you know, uh, exploited weakness of others. So um, why on earth shouldn't their competitors do that now? You remind me of one of the earliest examples of that, which was, I think, probably about 18 months into the Abramovich era. Yeah. It looked like they weren't going to get Champions League. 
and Charlton were under Kirbishly. And what did they do? They went and bought Scott Parker and stuck him yeah. on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that's a cynical seemed, transfer I've tactic. ever seen. <laughs> that seems to really bother you. I remember you mentioned that before on this show, before this all blew up. <laughs> it's well. really stuck with me. <laughs> it's the Newcastle tactic, isn't it? They just done right. Chris Wood. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's funny, isn't it? They, they kind of, they were the ones that started this whole era of overspending and unfit owners. Distorting think, the market. Exactly. I think there's these predictions, this might usher in a new era, a bit premature. I think it'll get worse before it gets better. I think we've seen today that another Saudi Arabia consortium has been linked to Chelsea, which is the complete opposite of what people wanted to happen out of this. So, Yeah, that's right. Of course, yeah. nudge, nudge, wink, wink, nothing to do with the other Saudis <laughs> who have just entered the Premier League. <laughs> They're probably guests of honour on Sunday game, weren't they? Um, it's just good to see the football authorities flex some muscle for once. Well, it's the government yeah. first in this case, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, taking the lead, yeah. Actually, the Premier League should have acted more proactively before the government did something. Uh, well, to be fair, they had 20 years to do that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wouldn't go praising the football authorities as such yet, but um, at least they've finally come round to it. What sticks in my craw is that for 20 years now, Chelsea have almost been held up as a model of a well-run super club. Yeah. And and of course, all they were doing was pouring this dodgy money in. And obviously that has now shattered overnight. Um, but the idea that to be a well-run club, you have to operate at an enormous loss and rely on a wealthy benefactor yeah. is exactly the problem with football. Yeah, spending beyond your means. Exactly, and it's the reason that every single club below the Premier League is struggling to keep me- make ends meet every week. Um, and it's the reason all of these fans are open, um, you know, welcoming these these people in without really caring where their money comes from. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, it is very easy to laugh at Chelsea's misfortune right now. Yeah, I would say uh, maybe um, fans that are perhaps under the age of, shall we say, under the age of. 27, 28. That's not age us. What stage, what stage age have you got? <laughs> I, I might have a bit of sympathy for them because they've never known anything else and they don't know, certainly didn't live through and saw with their own eyes how this came about. But uh, nobody our age and older can pretend that uh, this wasn't clear from the start. This was all so obvious from 2003, 2004 onwards. Remember how much coverage there was in the media and press about where his money came from you know inside football and outside and then there was that court case that he had about 10 years ago where quite a lot of uh, dirty secrets came out which is all well documented and now finally he's been kicked out but uh, also if they hadn't had any success at this time throughout this time and now they were were threatened with going bust like a like a a minnow club like Berry or something like that, then you might feel sympathy. But they've won two Champions Leagues and, um, you know, countless FA Cups and Premier Leagues. So I don't see uh, any cause whatsoever to feel any sympathy for anybody other than maybe the groundsman and the tea lady at, uh, at the club or at the training ground, possibly. The sympathy I feel is entirely because we all know how little impact fans can actually have on who owns their football club. Yeah. And they could end up with Mike Ashley as their yeah. next owner. 
they could end up with the next family. Like, I mean, I'm not going to make this about United, but they could have another American consortium that can't yeah. afford the club and leverage the, f- the funds against Chelsea's valuable real estate and moves them out to home. I feel things. it's highly likely it'll be an American, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and that's the sympathy I feel, and that's get with my own, you know, I'm reflecting uh, my own sort of pains about our owners. Yeah. Um, and But a lot of that sympathy for Chelsea in particular actually disappears the second you remember that they were chanting his name yeah, after so, the war had yeah. started. Yeah. Makes it much harder to feel any sympathy whatsoever yeah. when they know what's going on. Bring back Ken Bates, I say. That should be their point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Says the Leeds clan, he knows. <laughs> um, in a footballing sense, they're actually in great form, aren't they? So um, mm. they have this yeah. trip to Lille uh, coming up this week in the Champions League they're leading the tie but they've got to spend less than 20 grand it's what I hope that some journalists are really going to cover that in granular detail how they get I'm there where they stay absolutely fascinated by the insight <laughs> we're getting into how much it costs the Premier League team to go and play abroad in Europe yeah or even the fact that they need almost a million quid to stage a game at home yeah it's yeah. uh it's all or, or just the fact that this super club uh, that's just won the European Cup the Champions League things are hardly things were hardly going badly for them before all this happened, and now <laughs> we hear that they could be that you know uh, was it Matt Law on Super Sunday the journalist he said um, he doesn't think they could survive more than three or four weeks in this state so mm. it just shows you how precarious football is it's not just these fiscally mismanaged clubs in South America that are in this state it's also the most successful clubs in the world or perhaps so especially got, them especially they've got zero money. Like yeah. disposable money to actually have income. It's all yeah. just living beyond their means every single minute of every day. Yeah. Well, Sky Sports News at lunch were saying they their wage bill is a million pound a day, which is an insane amount of money. But yeah, I heard something like, like twenty eight million a month. Yeah, so that's some, right. Something close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're going to Lille and then to Middlesbrough in the cup, and Nick, you and I both know uh, that that can be a banana skin. So they don't, don't stand a chance, do they? Could the be, it could be a really <laughs> tasty week <laughs> for everyone rubbernecking at Chelsea on and off the pitch. It could be a really tasty week. Okay, but uh, in footballing terms, the big story of the weekend was certainly um, Manchester United. Spurs, uh, I'll go first. Nick, uh, I've already congratulated on you, you on the win, which I had to do. Um, what I really want to say most of all is I didn't think uh, Spurs played badly. I thought uh, we put in quite a good performance, especially first half. I'm, I'm going from quite a low bar there because I'm remembering all those times we played aforementioned Chelsea uh, in January and didn't uh, didn't have any shots or any sort of didn't show any kind of attacking verve or anything, but since then we've we've had that win at um, City, and I felt that this game we could easily have won three two at the end as well. Um, were it not for that one man, Cristiano Ronaldo, I know you hate that argument because um, any team can say, well, if they didn't have that one player, it would be different. But if you take um, Pep Guardiola's Harry Kane team jibes for an example, I think Harry Kane especially at the period when Pep said that, was making everyone around him much better and was uh, raising the level of others and also creating and assisting lots of goals for others. Um, Ronaldo literally doesn't do that. Ronaldo has virtues that I am very, very ready to acknowledge. I've, I've always said, even though I'm fundamentally in the messy camp and I don't like Ronaldo as a person, 
I've always said he's the best ever header of the ball to have played the game and the third goal showed that. But, you know, my point would be he's all about making the story about himself, grabbing the headlines, and all his goals are entirely individual in this in this way. He doesn't, he wouldn't go back to the centre circle and play this quarterback style pass that Kane does for Son and, and others. So if you compare it to some other individual players that teams are reliant on, I think this is a slightly different case. I think this was a case where Man United were a really poor team on Saturday, did not deserve to win, and the individual won the game by himself, really, in a literal sense, won it by himself. And that's fair enough. We have to accept that. But um, I'm not going to be really despondent. I'm not going to uh, be upset like I was after our non-performances against Chelsea or say that we can't possibly finish fourth anymore even because I thought we played well and there are signs there of a team that can that can hurt other teams. There are a few things that irk me, like the fact that um, about our performance, like the fact that Gary Neville, for example, during the match said, kept saying that United are one of the poorest teams he's seen in recent times without the ball. They don't pressure the team that's coming at them at all. And so I think a manager like Conte should see that, if not before the game, then during the game and sort of swallow his pride a little bit, change his system, play more expansively, because you can see that that's definitely going to hurt this defensively shocking Man United team. And he doesn't do that. He sticks to his idea of of countering, of playing quite conservatively, of waiting for an opportunity. So there's there's a few things that annoy me in a more general sense. But the game as such, uh, apart from Ronaldo's uh, interventions, didn't really annoy me that much. And I was I felt quite proud, uh, especially because I've gone through 20, 25 years of never getting a sniff at that ground. And it really felt like we were the better team. And I thought the analysis in the studio afterwards, with the exception of Roy Keane, who was a bit uh, unforthcoming in his praise for us as usual. Um, but I thought Gary Neville's analysis was spot on, just to say that um, United weren't that good. And this will paper over the cracks. I think it's an absolutely archetypal papering over the cracks performance from Ronaldo and and uh, and United more generally. So yeah, uh, we move on. We've got Brighton and West Ham this week. We've got to think about trying to catch Arsenal and yourselves, but we've got a couple of games in hand on on yourselves, so that's not that worrying. But we need to beat West Ham on Sunday in a in a in a really crunch fixture in this race for fourth. Um, but otherwise, that's all I have to say about this game. Over to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with a huge amount of what you said, actually. I think um, my reflect, as you know, I only was able to see the second half initially, um, being on a boozing yes, agenda uh, in Belfast. I had to wait for the rugby to finish. Watching the egg chasing in Belfast, indeed. Yeah, yeah. We, we all have our passions. <laughs> well, the rugby chose me. Um, but I, I would say it looked like the sixth and seventh best team in the country slogging it out to the autumn. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by it. It's a classic United performance over the last three years, which is yeah. there's not much, not much fluidity, doesn't seem to be much of a plan. Luckily, we've still got a couple of absolutely brilliant individuals around who will sometimes make magic happen. And uh, and yeah, Ronaldo's been doing it all season, to be honest. He was out of form for a few weeks, but he got us out of the Champions League group one of the big matches at key moments um, as Bruno Fernandes has done over the last couple of years as we've seen Rashford do as Cavani has done we have some amazing players but there doesn't seem to be much of a plan behind them 
and I think the defence is a real mess. And as you mentioned, United at the back, I mentioned last week, there is a duty of care at some point whereby Harry Maguire should be taken out of the team. Yeah, I think that was, uh, they very much agreed with your viewpoint. You got there first, of course. We got there first on our show. But, oh, is uh, that what they were saying? Great. Well, Super yeah. Sunday made a similar point. Yeah, you won't have heard that in the uh, fog of yeah. Belfast uh, rugby crowds. But um, Well, Sky Sports, you get in touch, you know where I am. Um, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I think uh, if you look look at his body language when that ball goes in, yeah, I think Gary Neville said he's he's got to be taken out of the team. Too. Yeah, it's not fair. Like it's not. Yeah. There's no longer. There's no any. There's no fun to be had from it. It's just yeah. a, the misery of a man who just looks like everything he touches will turn to crap. You um, mean it's different from the way we laughed at Phil Jones? Well, I would say that I was I was there with Phil Jones as well, where <laughs> it's uh, that poor man. <laughs> does not deserve to be the figure of fun that he has become. Um, but you, but you, yeah. mentioned, uh, you mentioned Rashford. I wanted to ask you a question about that as well, because on last week's show, you said he's not a striker and you prefer to see him in the wide positions. And then um, they, they were saying more or less the opposite. So in this sense, they didn't agree with you. Neville was saying he's, he's not playing where he's best used and that's part of the reason he's out of form or something. But I'm, no, I, don't I don't know agree who I agree with that. With. I'm not sure I can name a single match where he's played well through the middle. Um, right. I think, well, I suppose you'd have Perhaps to go back at the to, very start of his yeah, United yeah. career. I was going to say Midland, Arsenal, but that was forced upon us. He had the surprise element in his locker then. No one had heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he's a striker, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't really know what United's system is. I could say, well, if you're yeah. a counter-attack, counter-attacking team, yeah, maybe you want to place a striker up the middle, but... I mean, that was clear in passages of this game. Was it two teams that didn't want the ball? And that, yeah. that sometimes makes for a fun spectacle, but sometimes it looks faintly ridiculous and it was a bit of both. Yeah, I think um, I don't think either should be getting too excited about Champions League football next year. Um, I think both have got lots of work to do. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. It really could go either way for both teams. I'm not sure I would say Spurs are in a better position than United, but I also wouldn't argue that United should be more optimistic than Spurs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am glad as a United fan, we haven't been stuck with Conte. I just find him abrasive and he yeah. fights the wrong fights. And you're right. He is lacking that, that pragmatism that I think you need. Because even Ralph Hassan has called out United for being dreadful out, out of possession lazy and he's yeah. just keep the ball and for I feel a we could have exploited that if we were more flexible yeah 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 and and if, if Southampton are doing it and look at the state of Southampton now I think they've lost three in a row if if they're able to keep United at bay because of the terrible work rate in the team better teams like Spurs should be dispatching us also interesting was uh, Rangnick's comments in the post-match interview about Ronaldo when he was asked uh if it's a challenge to handle an ego like that, and you'd expect him to use his uh, media training to just to just rebuff that question, but he said yes, very challenging, and uh, made a joke about him. Perhaps he should go to Portugal every week without telling the manager because he played so well. So I didn't he's see clearly that. he's clearly a man who doesn't really want him in his squad. Yeah, um, he wants Rangnick like like all these modern managers like Conte. Uh, what I was bemoaning about the rigidity of systems. Rangnick is all about systems, isn't he? He's the godfather of this systems football in a way. Yeah. Um, and so having a maverick in there is the last thing he wants, I think. Well, it's interesting that he gave up on his system very, very quickly. You know, he yeah. came in and tried to do this 4-2-2-2 and he must have looked around at that dressing room and thought, these guys, you know, just get the ball to Ronaldo, it should be our tactic. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and if that fails, you're going to lose. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, it's a good three points. I don't think I should get ahead of myself and start thinking about the top four. I think I'm more excited about tomorrow night, actually, in the Atletico Madrid match, because yes, they're, yeah. they're, they're in a similar sort of position to United in that they're not playing to the sum of their parts and they've got some very good players not playing particularly well um, and they're a bit adrift aren't they of, uh, of the title yeah let's discuss that in part three yeah you've, you've not got another league game before the uh, the international break uh, this month because your game with Liverpool is postponed because of the FA Cup so it's a nice uh, break for you after the Champions League yeah long old break so it was important to go into that break with a win I think in, in, in the league yeah God knows what United turns up next month. I, I, I think similar to Spurs. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting week after week. Um, That's right. So, yeah, we will see. Right, welcome back to part two. And it's time for George to step up and tell us about uh, two absolutely crucial games for his club uh, this past week. In midweek, you had Villa at home and then on Sunday... Norwich at home. I joked uh, earlier about that being a run-of-the-mill victory. It was anything but. You can explain the uh, roller coaster <laughs> of emotions at the end of that. I just want to start, though, by saying I dutifully sat down to watch Leeds Villa last week uh, to give you some moral support. And uh, your team, your club, uh, drove me out to the pub at halftime. It was so frustrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> co-commentator co-commentator Ali McCoy is whom I really really enjoy every time he does a game yeah um, good. he pointed out throughout that the big difference between the teams was the lack of a front man for Leeds uh, Villa had Danny mm-hmm. Ings as a target man um, yeah Leeds didn't have one but you know you did have one on the bench Gelhart who is sort of seen as not ready or too young I don't know um, yeah by Jesse Marsh but um yeah, it was just so frustrating because it was there for everyone to see. And uh, McCoy even said, I know I keep banging on about it, but that's the difference between the teams. And then you didn't do anything about it till till late on, if at all. Yeah. Uh, well, I only watched the first half, as I said, but yeah, I, I couldn't anymore. Uh, I had an insight into what it's like to be you, George. I was going to say, you were mostly neutral in that scenario and it's frustrating for you. So just imagine what it must be like. Um, the only excuse I can give to that is Bamford literally... Yeah. Had boots back on the grass on the Sunday, I think. So, it, in terms of his involvement, it was just a case of if he's needed. And obviously, he came on and it got a lot worse <laughs> through no <laughs> fault of his own. That was absolutely dreadful. Uh, that was even worse than bigger score lines. I think if Villa were any more competent, they could have. Right. Explain that, please. Um, as in, how was it worse? I, I didn't see. I said in the last pod, I'd seen positive signs in Jesse Marsh's first game away at Leicester in that we were tighter at the back. We were stringing passes together um, and putting all that pressure on that we were famous for last season, all that high press. Yeah. Against Aston Villa, I, d- I don't think I saw more than two consecutive passes put together. Um, we had almost zero XG at the end of the game. Martinez yeah, did, ab- I did, had absolutely I did see that actually, good. yeah. Um, got in some half decent positions. That, that it, reminds me, sorry for the interruption, but that does okay. remind me Nick, your XG on Saturday was less than one, and Ronaldo got three goals. Oh, yeah, so Ronaldo's was, I think, 0.85. Ronaldo, as an individual, <laughs> was 0.85. And that's sorry. basically what the team was. Yeah, <laughs> go on, George. Yeah. Sorry, uh, just yeah, god awful. 
absolutely god awful in terms of I didn't want to talk about the first game. I thought anyone wanted to talk about the second game of the week. Well, yeah, sorry, it's just I'm I'm going on what I saw, but um, yeah. was that the pressure of playing at home and so much pressure to get a result? Do you think potentially? I I've thought this a few times this season that we were such a different team with no fans in the grounds last year. Right. And all commentators kept saying was, imagine what this Leeds team will do with, you know, a full house behind them. Yeah. And it's just gone the opposite way. I don't know. Everything about that day was about building up to that big atmosphere on, you know, not to sound too Liverpooly, but, you know, under the lights, <laughs> good atmosphere. Because ours isn't a myth. We actually do create a good atmosphere. I'm enjoying and... Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpooly as an adjective. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was terrible. You, you can't hear it, listener, but Gilmer's uh, chuckling away as well. Oh, already a highlighter this week. Well, when they beat us six 0 you could only hear our fans. So I don't know where the old the old atmosphere was that night. But um, yeah, it has to. I suppose it had to get worse before it got better. That's the way I'd summarise last week. Okay, so let's get on to Sunday then. Yes. So that was a routine one nil victory until <laughs> until I mean. The, the, the history books will say, oh, it was a 2-1 win against the worst team in the league. It, and it should have been. But I don't think any team comes out of a run like we were on with a easy 3-0, 4-0 win. And, yeah. and when I say, I try to put into context, I try to think how I could possibly articulate how bad our run was. And I had a look and we were actually bottom of the form table for all five top leagues in Europe. So wow. we were like 98th. Out of worse than Goiter Furt. Worse than them, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> going to attempt to pronounce it because I knew I'd get it wrong. But and if we had lost yesterday somehow, it would have actually been the worst run in the club's history. And you know, wow. I've seen some god awful Leeds teams, but that arguably would have been the worst, regardless of the league they're in. So yeah, it was it was all very routine. It was it could have been three or four nil at half time, and I don't think that would have been harsh on Norwich or generous to us. We they did absolutely nothing. I say we couldn't put two <laughs> passes together. They couldn't put a pass together. They really are bad. <laughs> and I do talk about sympathy for Chelsea, but I definitely feel sorry for Norwich fans. Yeah, I I, I'm just going to pipe up there to mention their their goal difference is worse than yours. They're minus forty five, which is absolutely appalling. But yeah. you have you have now conceded the most goals in the league. You've conceded even yep. more than them, haven't you? Isn't it sixty five or something? It is sixty five. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The worst defense in the league. So can you please recount uh, oh. to us in detail what happened at the end of this game? Because it wasn't on TV and many wouldn't have seen it. I certainly did. So please well, tell us how it, it unfolded. It kind of starts with about 12 minutes to go when they're given a very legitimate looking penalty. And no one even argues it's not a penalty. Uh, Luke Ailey commits this atrocious, unnecessary foul, mm-hmm. has his head in his, between his knees because he knows what he's done. Yeah. For once, VAR goes our way. I'm not sure I agreed with the decision, but you take it and you think, right, it is our day. We're going to get, not to mention the fact our goal in the first place should have been chalked off because Bamford was offside, but VAR for whatever reason didn't see that. And then you think it's our day and then the board goes up for six minutes and as that board goes up, Timu Puki puts a horrible ball across the box and Norwich's first shot on target gets, hits the back of the net in the 91st minute. Who was it that scored? Was it that American clean? No, he'd gone. Uh, he'd gone oh, he is bad. No, <laughs> no, it was some chap called McLean. And it, I was watching it with the Leeds friend, and you, we just knew it was coming. Yeah, you, the amount of chances we missed. I think we had the not to keep going about XG. I think we had the fourth highest XG in Europe this weekend. To say we we're only one nil up at that point. Um, George is across the pan European stats, Nick. <laughs> 
And we Marsh, have to do more homework. <laughs> Marsh threw on Gelhart. It was just a throw of the dice. You know, yeah. go on and do whatever you can. Um, I, he must be very disgruntled. He's had such so little luck in. Well, that's my um, question. Why was he not on before? It can only be his age and his inexperience. He's only ever played at League One before this level, before this season. Mm-hmm. But his his impact and his involvement in goals is actually higher than Coutinho, just to put it into perspective how much of an impact he has. Another stat such bomb. Such high goal involvement. And he had another one now. Uh, the ball, it was just a punt from the back and he's the shortest man on the pitch and somehow wins a header against a six foot four Ben Gibson. Um, mm. And Rafinha takes it round the thoroughly irritating Tim Krul. He is yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Man. yeah. And you think he's just taken it too far. It's going to go out and he, he somehow puts it on a plate for, for Gelhart to put it in and the uh, the proverbial roof came off. Um, yeah. People I know went to the game so they've not heard it like that in a <laughs> long, long time. It, the, like three, I said, three points just, against Norwich. Exactly. That's what it looks like. Uh, it was scraped to two and win against the worst team in the league but it just means so much. And yeah. It could mean nothing if we still get relegated, but yeah. What, what were the scenes around that. yours? Um, my heart hurt. I don't know <laughs> if I need to get it checked. <laughs> yeah, various things were spilt and um, broken. I think it's it's just it has to be a platform to to go on now and just secure safety at the earliest possible point because I stand. I do think it's three out of five now. I think Brentford will be fine. Newcastle are fine. So it's it is it's three from five. We just have to make sure we're not one of those. We've got three. one more game before the break, and that's at Molyneux. Yeah, don't know what to make of Wolves at the moment. No. Um, but off the back of that, we'll feel like we could beat anyone, even though it is just Norwich. So, <laughs> I mean, I would take a draw, anything away, just not to lose again, and just go back into another, you know, spiral of losing games. I think Wolves, you know, you could get a get points out of them. You know, they scraped a victory at Everton on the same day. Um, yeah, they're, they're, high, they're high up in the table, but they've lost 11 games this season, which is the same number as, say, Newcastle. So, mm, yeah, the strange bit, team, only become, drawn four. Yeah, become a bit inconsistent recently. So we'll try and we'll try and take something before the break. That would be nice. And then we've got Southampton at home after that, which again I think is must win. A very odd Southampton team. Yeah, um, that's either going on losing streaks or winning streaks. Just depends which one turns up. And but, then, of um, course, yeah. uh, you go to Watford, which really will be a, an absolute humdinger. Another, another massive one. Yeah, yeah. Who, unfortunately, that was the only tarnish on yesterday was they managed to pick up a win. But we have to win our own games. And like we said on this pod before, I'd rather have points on the board than, say, Everton's three games in hand. because yeah. Burnley lost, of course, which helped. Did help Brentford. You know, it's a difficult one, that. Do you want Brentford to get sucked back in or yeah. take points off a relegation rival? Um, and I feel like Ericsson's going to make that difference for them. Lo- lovely assist, and if you yeah. saw it. Yeah, yeah, that was an amazing signing, wasn't it? So just to wrap to up there. this bit about the relegation scrap, let's talk Everton, yes. everyone. <laughs> uh, Every we were, week yes. that passes, it becomes more and more imaginable. That they yeah, obviously around. we were recording last pod mm. during their 5 nil. Uh, collapse at Tottenham but uh, then everybody's been saying that what will make the difference for them is their home their home support and their home stadium and then they proceed to lose at home this weekend that was a delicious as well um, I should say or reiterate I have uh, very very few ill feelings towards Everton as a club or their supporters they don't offend me in any sense really but um, since Lampard's walked in there again 
massive, massive Schadenfreude. And I know it's the same for you, George, after, uh, I, I just, after the whole me. Derby Leeds thing. It, it baffles me. Oh, it's more than that, isn't it? It's just, it's just, <laughs> it, it just baffles me that he even thought this was a good appointment. Yeah. I mean, he has no, the only experience he has is getting Derby to six in the championship. That, that's yeah. the sum of his success. And obviously, <laughs> working a shoestring at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but and getting it, it wrong. Getting yeah. it very wrong. And now, like, their January business, he, he just wanted to get some names in to say, look who I signed in Van der Beek and Deli Alley. Complete opposite of the players they needed. They didn't need midfielders full stop, let alone two players that have barely played any football all season. Yeah. And suddenly coming in. Can't tell me they're going to care that much about keeping Everton in the Premier League. So um, another massive, massive game for them this midweek coming up. A rearranged game at home to Newcastle. Newcastle massive, now pretty much the best form in the league, although they they lost that late goal to Chelsea. But um, out of that bottom five, Everton have got the hardest run in as well. They've, yeah, they've got some exactly. Really, I was, really difficult I was about to say they yeah they have to play. Knicks United, yeah, it's always a big game, isn't it? Uh, United yeah. at Goodison, irrespective. They, they always of... get something as well. But yeah, they'll, they'll always they'll get a point or three out of that. But they've got to play Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal on the last day. So yeah, they're in. Yeah. They're definitely in trouble. I think that um, if I was you, George, I'd be watching every single one of their games closely. I now. Will be. I yeah. certainly will be. Like same same as you, I have no ill feeling towards them. Um, I don't necessarily want them to see them go down, but. Yeah, the second they appointed Lampard, I think they made their bed a bit there. Um, <laughs> there was rumblings of a board meeting late on Sunday to discuss everything, so I don't know what's going to happen next. Ever. Oh, really? Yeah, but um, we'll we'll see. Can you imagine? I, I mean, can imagine they... him. I can imagine him jumping ships. He doesn't have relegation on his CV. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, save his own skin. Right, welcome back to part three, in which we'll look ahead to everything happening this week before our next show. At the moment, as we're recording, um, City are playing at uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, we all think we've got a title race, do we? I don't know if I can say that, having been the first to boldly claim it was all over a few months ago. Well, we all did, yeah. yeah. We, it's... One of our shows is even called The Week the League Was Won. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. still stand by the fact that I think City are going to win it and they're going to win it comfortably come yeah. the end of the season. But it's certainly more interesting than it was. It's either City with a bit of a gap or Liverpool on goal difference or something on the last yeah. day, isn't it? And we'll never hear the end of it. Oh, God. <laughs> say it's, it's the title race of your nightmares, isn't it, Nick? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it has been for the last few years, to be honest. They are constantly the best two teams in the world. Yeah. In the world? In the world. Even though the world champions might be Chelsea. <laughs> There's a few other teams in the world that have something to say about that. I really can uh, only think of Bayern. I think... Uh, well, thank you for belatedly thinking of them. And even then... I'd fancy Liverpool or City to beat them over two legs. Well, we'll see about that, won't we? Yeah, we will. I hope so, yeah. The draw this Friday. Anyway, City uh, is about an hour in at Sellers Park and they haven't scored yet, so it could be interesting. What I want to talk about, uh, I'm loath to talk about them really, especially when they're doing well, but what I want to talk about is Arsenal. They receive Liverpool on Wednesday night. Uh, is it Wednesday, Thursday? Not quite sure. Wednesday, um, yeah. Huge game um, for both clubs. Arsenal, 26 matches played, 51 points, one ahead of United, but three games fewer. But a lot of people are looking at Arsenal and saying they're in pole position. Yes, of course, they're in pole position, just looking at the sheer facts of the table. But a lot of people are saying they're um, in the box seat for fourth place. And I just do not uh, see that. Obviously, 
they've had these wins against Leicester. But let's look at whom they've beaten since they went out of two cup competitions in January and lost heavily to Man City. Well, not heavily. Uh, remember all their whinging that day. Anyway, um, but uh, they've beaten uh, since the winter break Wolves, Brentford, Wolves again, Watford and Leicester. So um, I don't think that's enough evidence. Uh, that's that's uh, There are some green shoots of a recovery, but we all know that another Arsenal collapse is just around the corner and they're playing Liverpool next. They've got to go to Villa and then Palace after the break. Uh, we're just looking at how tough a place Palace is to go right now. Uh, they've got Man United still. They've got the mighty Leeds, uh, West Ham away. So, you know, it's it, this isn't over. I'm not saying that uh, we're necessarily going to be the ones that finish in fourth. But like I said, that's why I'm not that demotivated because I think this Arsenal form uh, that everyone's going on about, its days are numbered. Man United's flaws are there for everyone to see. West Ham are very much in competition in Europe. Um, they've got what, the biggest game for a generation there uh, later this week against Sevilla. Don't really fancy them to get through that tie. But if they did, it would only make it harder for them to finish fourth. And then there's ourselves or even Wolves, who knows. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to just uh, mention that um, people look at the table and look at the fact they've got a few games in hand. But the games in hand that Arsenal have are not points, are they? I'm 100% with you, I have to say. I don't think they've done anything impressive yet, apart from string a few wins together because of the kind of fixture list. This is a team that lost to United already. and like, Not yeah. many people are doing that this season. <laughs> so uh, I, I am excited to see what happens when they come under a bit of pressure. I vaguely remember this season, an awful lot of marginal VAR calls, strokes of luck seem to have gone their way. Yeah. Um, so which, just this season? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, we can we can do a separate pod on the strokes of luck the Arsenal have had over the years. Yeah. But, um, but this season, I think they've they've had a lot of the rub of the green. Um, they've no doubt got some amazing young players who are playing with freedom. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens when they're tested by a proper team. Yeah. So ourselves, uh, in our case, uh, as I said, I don't think it's over for us just because we lost to Man United. I do think we have to win at West Ham on Sunday, though. That is uh, a huge game against a direct rival. But I think that we can be really aided by the fact that uh, West Ham's energy will be sapped on Thursday night against Sevilla. We know how hard uh, an opponent that is in the Europa League historically. And, uh, and of course, the second best team in Spain this season, uh, looking at the table. So... Uh, it's not going to be easy for West Ham, uh, and we've we've got Brighton on Wednesday. Extra recovery time. It's not going to be uh, as much of a big deal, certainly. So um, I'm quietly confident there as well. Although West Ham have got a great recent run against us, which is also something we need to put right. We've also mentioned that Everton's next game is a rearranged fixture against Newcastle at home. Absolutely enormous, isn't it? The pressure is now off for Newcastle and I kind of feel that for the first time in many months we might be backing Newcastle to win that just to keep rubbernecking at Frank Lampard at Everton what do you think George? I'm not sure if I can um, yeah. <laughs> lesser of I don't know can I say Lampard's more evil than Saudi Arabia probably not um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult one let's say I wouldn't lose sleep if Newcastle won that game let's put it that way yeah exactly yeah and a huge game for Manchester United as well um how do you even 
go into this, uh, Nick, in terms of you, you, you somehow got that result um, from what I heard. Didn't really watch yeah. the game properly, but from what I heard, you weren't the best team against uh, against them out there in Madrid. Atletico are kind of recovering from that awful spell they had uh, across Christmas and New Year. They have started putting a few wins together again and trying to consolidate that Champions League space in La Liga. So maybe they're hitting form at the right time. But then also United have just had this great result. Ronaldo's got the bit between his teeth. What do you think we can expect? Well, they can't be as bad as they were in the first leg. I, I'm i most excited about this match because I have no idea what to expect. I think yeah. the first goal is crucial, particularly with this United team, actually, because I don't think there's an awful lot of resolve there. Um, so should it go to, um, to Madrid, I think that could well be it. And I think if United score first, it becomes very, very interesting. A good uh, United, watch. Mm. Yeah, I think it will be a good watch. I don't. There's no danger United will keep a clean sheet. That doesn't happen. So <laughs> it will be a case of whether or not they can score first and then how many. So um, I think it will be a good game. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be celebrating at the end of it, sadly. Let me just put this to you, though. If you do celebrate... There's an open draw for the Champions League quarterfinals. Some of the names in there, with you, with the way your team is playing at the moment, how would that make you feel if you suddenly yeah, had to go two legs against serious, Liverpool? They could do some serious damage. Um, and uh, I don't want to be the, the butt of the jokes like Bayern have become. Yeah. Uh, sorry, like Barcelona have become. Yeah. Um, I think your best bet is to avoid the other English teams. Yeah. Um, and then Bayern. I'd, I'd fancy. I'd fancy Juve if they're still in it or they or Villarreal. I think that's the one which jumps out as the one which is perhaps most winnable. But I am getting so far ahead here of this United team. They should be... Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think... Um, it's a fanciful conversation. At yes, the it is. Yeah, yeah, I would say that, just for the record, Twitter, I am not expecting United to get out <laughs> of this last 16. United are not a superpower in Europe and they yeah. haven't been for a decade. It's, it's mad that we're still seeded, to be honest. I think yeah. um, our pedigree is, is nothing in comparison with those other teams you talked about. Well, that's because of the Europa League finals, I guess. Yeah, which, uh, you know, it's, it's a completely different level altogether. Yeah. Now, um, you've just reminded me, I've got uh, not much time to talk about the rest of Europe uh, at the moment, but um, did want to say the best match that I've watched this past week was definitely that PSG Real Madrid. Did you see this, guys? Oh my. Yeah, that was because uh, I, I was watching that throughout, and uh, like the com- like the commentators and many people on Twitter, etc., didn't see any way in for Real Madrid when uh, when when Paris took or extended the lead. But um, Glenn Hoddle was the co-commentator, and he said after less than an hour. Quote, all they need to do now, Paris, is keep their heads. And I just thought, as soon as he said it, I thought, that's it. It's going to happen because that's the one thing Paris don't do, isn't it? <laughs> of all the players to lose his head, you wouldn't think it'd be done a rumour. Yeah, like, yeah. The last person I said would have lost his head. And yeah, and they're no all bickering with doing. each other and everything. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were booing them, booing Messi and Neymar at the weekend. Yeah, Messi out <laughs> as well. It's, yeah. it's all his I mean, fault, obviously. This, yeah. The theme of this week is very much Schadenfreude. And if you're laughing at anyone, I think I would laugh at them in that order. I'd laugh at Paris, then Neymar, then Messi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and uh, big shout out for Benzema, who's just been there so, yeah, so long now. Uh, 13 years, isn't it? Or 14 yeah. years. 
Yeah, uh, there was that great picture online of him shaking hands with Alfredo Di Stefano when he was unveiled at Real Madrid. He's pretty much sort of un- undervalued or seen as second rate to some of the other great players they had and, and the Bale signing and, and Ronaldo always there, of course. But he's now past uh, Di Stefano's goals record mm. um, for Real Madrid, which is just amazing. And it, to... he's, he's done it by sheer will and longevity, really, hasn't he? Well, I was going to say that the two hottest strikers in Europe at the moment are both in their mid-30s and Benzema yeah. and Lewandowski. Yeah, yeah. absolutely getting better and better every year. Anyway, let's end on uh, what's happening next weekend when there's only a smattering of Premier League games, including uh, that battle for, I don't know, do we say fourth or do we say sixth place mediocrity between Spurs and West Ham? Remains to be seen. Um, but basically, the main story will be FA Cup quarterfinals. And let me just do a quick poll with you guys. It's interesting in the sense that all the big teams are away, which is how I feel it should be done in in, in the Copa del Rey. It's done like that deliberately and in early rounds of uh, German Cup as well. It's quite good. Um, here it's happened just like that, the draw. Chelsea away at Middlesbrough, Man City away at Southampton, Liverpool away at Forest. Now, looking at the respective strengths of those three big clubs and their opponents, I think I would say personally Middlesbrough is the place for an upset. What do you think? Yeah. Forest, Forest did knock out... Um, Arsenal, didn't they? And that'll be six o'clock on a Sunday. So it'd be nice to think that they could um, knock out Klopp, who doesn't care about the cup anyway. But uh, what do you think? I can't. I can't see it. And, and it's so sad that Southampton have just hit really terrible form. Otherwise, mm. a few weeks ago, you might have thought they might have a chance in that game. But losing at home to Watford, not the best preparation. Yeah, so I'd say Middlesbrough the place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think. Imagine um, that as a cup run, though. Man United, Spurs, and Chelsea. That and then still fantastic. not win it. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, so having confidently predicted in the third round that cup sets were dead and it doesn't happen anymore, mm. and that we're having the most surprising round in years. I, I just got a feeling the way that Liverpool approach cup games, yeah. they've sort of defaulted their way through the current cup or the League Cup this year. Yeah. But I think. Uh, that's where I'd go for a shock this week because he's got Arsenal midweek and he could put out the kids. And um, yeah, and the, the atmosphere at Forest yeah. is going to be fantastic as it was against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, some of those Forest players, Garner in midfield, yeah. United lad is outstanding. And that right back is it, Spence, very talented player as well. And then the fourth quarter final is Palace at home to Everton. So <laughs> I saw some people saying that. Lampard's record at Everton isn't that bad because he's had that FA Cup success. Uh, checks notes, Boreham Wood. So, <laughs> Boreham Wood and Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, Palace have to be favourites for that, don't they? I think so. I think Palace are quietly becoming quite an efficient team. Like, exactly. They're, they're honest, still nil-nil with Man City as we speak. So I fancy them to go through there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what team he puts out, Lampard, because... They have got bigger fish to fry, frankly. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Um, Busy midweek and weekend to come, as we've said. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. You might still be in Europe, Nick. Oh, that would be a dream. Let's say probably not. Uh, George, you might be three points further clear of relegation. Three points closer. Possibly not. (laughs) And I, uh, well, I'm going to the... Uh, Tottenham West Ham game on Sunday Um, as we've said no idea which Tottenham will turn up but um, yeah huge game and I hope 
I hope West Ham will be knackered, basically. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. And thank you, George. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And speak next week. Cheers. <laughs>